This is Tiger Woods, and welcome to another golf podcast presented by Bridgestone. Hello, friends, and welcome to another golf podcast presented by Bridgestone. We are live from Augusta. As you guys know, Augusta is right down the road from our home base. We're located in Covington, Georgia, about an hour and a half away. It's somewhat of a home game for us, so super exciting week here in Augusta, Georgia, as it kicks off the major season. A lot of excitement around our past champions, Fred Couples, and obviously Tiger Woods playing this week. Um, Jason Day, who's hot going into this tournament, we're excited about him. He's been playing some really amazing golf as of late, stacking up the top 10s in the PGA Tour events, and game is really trending toward getting a W. So we're, we're excited to maybe see the Aussie slide on the jacket this week. As you hear, it's just me, Adam Rayberg, um, no Amelia. Amelia's coming off of a very important weekend. She played in Anwa, the Augusta National Women's Amateur, to where she made the cut. So she played over the weekend at Augusta National and had a really great time. We caught up after her round, and it's obviously it's amazing to play the course right before a major, right before the Masters. So really exciting week for her. She also worked the drive, chip, and putt. So super busy even after playing. She headed back to Wake. Those guys are getting ready for their conference finals and national championship and all that sort of good stuff. So wish her the best. Looking forward to that. But she will not join today. It'll just be me. And we have a special guest here in just a little bit that I'm going to cut to, um, Joe LaCava. Joe LaCava stopped by Monday immediately following their practice round. So they basically walked off Augusta. He was out there with Tiger. Tiger played with Fred as well. It's long known that he's been on Fred's bag um, in the past as well. So Joe LaCava, we're literally looking forward to kind of sharing the stories that he had to say to us. He was on Fred's bag for 12 of his wins, including that 92 Masters win. He talked about how that ball stayed up on 12. We all know famously how Fred maybe got the break of a lifetime, but he discussed like actually getting down there and having to execute the shot and still making a par out of the hole. It was a really great shot for Fred to kind of get up and down from there. And then obviously he was on Tiger's bag for the 2019 win. He's been on Tiger's bag since 2011. So we discussed a lot of the shots that were hit on 2019. Um, what Tiger said as he went off the 18th hole famously to him. And then also a, a really great story about how um, Joe LaCava maybe confiscated some flag sticks for that 92 win and then the 19 win and basically told Augusta National, I have to prime for my cold, dead hands before you get these back. So um, really cool story about that. You guys will kind of want to hear that. So let's get right into Joe. All right, guys, here I have um, Joe LaCava here. These guys are fresh off the course with a practice round today. Um, thank you for so much for coming on the podcast today, Joe. And of course, looking forward to it. Special spot for me and my guys, so I'm always <laughs> happy to do anything that's Masters-related, that's for sure. Oh, we always love hearing about anything Masters-related, so super cool. So first first question I want to ask, obviously you've been on two of our premier guys' bag before, Fred and Tiger. What are the biggest differences you guys have between them two? Wow, that's a great question. Um, you know, everyone knows Fred and loves Fred. Uh, I think I had 20 years with him. Um, you know, Fred obviously is very laid back. Um, but at the same time, you know, when the gun goes off, he's ready to grind and work hard. Um, and he wants to win just as much as anyone. He just doesn't wear his emotions on his sleeve like a Tiger does. Um, then obviously when you come down to the golf part of it, you know, they're both great field players. 
but at the same time, Tiger, you know, he wants to have a sense of why his swing is working or isn't working. Right. He likes to break it down. He likes to look at film a little bit. I call it film like NFL. He likes to look at video of himself. Right. And he's gone through some swing changes where Fred hasn't. Fred's had the same <laughs> swing since basically I met him and probably before that. Um, but in terms of, you know, grinding on the golf course, like at 3 in the morning sometimes I'll get a text from Tiger and I'll say, geez, I think, you know, 13 is going to be downwind tomorrow. I think we need to hit 3 wood instead of a driver. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, and I don't sleep very well either, so I'm always like, I get the text and then I'll text him back and I'll say, I agree. But at the same time, I'd rather you turn your phone off and get some sleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, if 20, you know, Tiger's always going 24-7. Right. And Fred just wants to turn his brain on the first tee. And then the running joke I always have with people, and this is how I'll kind of end it. You know, let's just say we have an 8:20 20 tee time, and it's 7:15. we're on the range hitting balls. Tiger will go through five or six important tee shots or shots on the golf course and where the wind might be and where it's a pin going to be that day and stuff like that. At 7.15 for an 8.30 tee time, you know, Fred's beating balls, talking, shaking hands the whole nine yards, and he just wants to know where we're having dinner that night. <laughs> so two different personalities, yes. but I love them both like brothers. We'll be right back. Another golf podcast is presented by Bridgestone's new line of Tour B golf balls with a reactive IQ cover. Reactive IQ is a smart cover technology that reacts to the force of impact. It rebounds quickly on tee shots, delivering explosive velocity and increased distance. And around the green, the Reactive IQ cover stays on the face longer, providing more spin and control. Bridgestone Golf is the pioneer and industry leader in ball fitting, and the four new models of Tour B are designed to ensure every golfer is playing the right ball for their game. The Tour BX and XS models are ideal for players with driver swing speeds over 105 miles per hour, and the RX and RXS were created for golfers with driver swing speeds under 105 miles per hour. To find the right ball for your game, go to BridgestoneGolf.com and click Find My Ball to go through the online ball selector guide. Bridgestone Golf, the number one ball fitter in golf. Now back to the show. How do you help each one of them in differences? How do you help them feel comfortable over the shot? Kind of what is your role to make them feel comfortable with the number of the club that you guys ultimately come to? Yeah, another great question. You know, for me, you know, I'll, I'll you know, I have the habit of always thinking I'm right, like most mm-hmm. guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, our routine is to kind of go over the numbers and the yardages and where the pin is. And then, you know, one of two things will happen. You know, Tiger or Fred will say, you know, what are you thinking? Or do you like mm-hmm. seven iron and stuff like that? And most of the time we're on the same page. Uh, when we're not, that's when we got to kind of break it down and kind of figure out, okay, why am I thinking seven and maybe you're right. thinking six? Mm-hmm. And I'll plead my case as long as I can. Um, but at the end of the day, if I feel like he's not comfortable with what I'm talking about, then I've got to kind of switch the script a little bit. Right. And I want to put into his head or his mind that he's got the right club because I right. think ultimately they put a better swing on it if yep. they're confident that they have the right club. So that's the most important part. When the gun goes off and you're ready to hit the shot, make sure he's confident and feels good over the ball. Let's say the guys have hit a squarely shot, a not-so-great one. How do you kind of bring them back to a positive mindset after a not-so-great shot? You know, it's a good question also. You know, when, when I first started working for Fred, he was pretty young, and uh, he had a little bit of a carryover effect, like it would bother him for mm-hmm. not, not holes per se, but maybe into the next shot. Um, but he got better at that. I don't know if, if I try to distract him, get it off his mind. You know, sometimes I'll make a joke about it as if to say, you know, I could have probably hit a better shot or right, a better right. chip. <laughs> Start um, talking about dinner. <laughs> yeah, you got to lighten the mood a little bit. And, you know, Tiger obviously is very emotional. He'll blow off some steam, maybe throw a club, get, mm-hmm. you know, get pretty hot. But the thing about Tiger is by the time you get to that next shot in the process, he's ready. 
Right. Game on. He's forgotten about the last shot. Good, bad, or indifferent. He's on to the next shot. He's ready to go. Yeah, it's it's so fun over his career having seen those. He, you know, he had a bad shot. Everybody does. He blows up, maybe lets out a word, but then the next one's going to be this miraculous, you know, um, recovery shot or a great shot to put him back into the hole. So feels like he, the moment he takes that step forward, it's kind of gone. That's been really cool watching that over his total career. So um, I want to talk about a couple of important, since we're here at Augusta, some important shots that were hit by both of your guys over their career. First, I want to talk about 92. You were on the bag with Fred when he won his Masters. Two holes I want to kind of talk about specifically that I'm sure you've been asked about numerous times. Number 12 and number 15, kind of that debate. 12, kind of what happened there, but then also 15. I've heard some interesting stories about 15 with you guys. Yeah, like you said, two crucial hoes. Um, you know, 12, obviously, you know, sort of a break of a lifetime. I tell people I think the bigger upset was the fact that, as you mentioned, these guys are great ball strikers, so they don't miss hit many shots. Right. And, you know, Fred always had a tough time, you know, playing away from a flag, no mm-hmm. matter what the situation was or regardless of the circumstance. And, you know, we kind of talked about, like everybody does, back then it was an eight-iron shot, try to go over the middle of the bunker with it and, you know, play, you know, I don't want to say a safe shot, but probably a smart, conservative yeah. shot. Um, and we talked about it. And, again, not a lot needs to be said with Fred. He knows that's where he's probably supposed to hit it on Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And instead he come, comes out of a little bit, doesn't quite catch it flush like he normally does. Right, right. So I'm thinking to myself, as it's cutting, obviously as the creek goes, it's a further carry to the right. So I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, it's got no chance of getting over the water. And then mm-hmm. for me the bigger miracle was the fact that it actually hit on land. And right. then obviously the fact that it stayed up stayed was a up. fluke. So break of a lifetime. But I tell people the same thing. I said, listen, here's the deal. You still got to get it up and down and hit that shot, which is not that easy a shot. Oh, yeah. And some people might panic and hit it, you know, 15 feet by, behind the hole. Just, you know, you don't want to get it up there on the yep. dry land and make four. To his credit, he hit it up there, you know, a foot or so and mm-hmm. tapped it in. Um, but typical Fred. I mean, he's sitting there on the bank, and he's kind of just looking at me as if to say, I need a club. And I'm like 20 feet up on the green because I don't want to come down there with the bag yeah, yeah. and 200 pounds <laughs> myself. So I'm like, come on up here and get the lob wedge yourself and figure it out. Then once we get past that, then fast forward to 15. You know, this is back before they had the T-way back there. Right. So he has to drive in the fairway, but it's left, and you're kind of blocked out by mm-hmm. the pine trees. And we went back and forth, back and forth, and it was a seven-iron shot, but he had to hook it. Basically, he had to think, start this thing right of the right bunker. Sling it. Yeah, he had to sling it probably 30 to 40 yards. Now, I've seen him do that a million times. Sure. There's nobody better at that. And that's <laughs> when you could actually you know, move the ball around a little bit right. more back yeah. then, and guys did that. Um, but we went back and forth. I kind of, like I said, I normally don't get too crazy, but mm-hmm. I insisted we lay up there. I just, thought, <laughs> I just thought it wasn't worth the risk of trying to hook this sure. thing left. And all I kept thinking was he flushes this thing and it lands on the back left corner to go into the other water. Mm-hmm. And you, it just could, it could end up being. What was his lead at right then? What was he? I think he was maybe two up at the oh, time. Oh, yeah. So your argument looked pretty good, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I, yeah, again, I, again, I just thought it was the smarter plan. I mm-hmm. think to myself, we probably don't need to make four here. Sure. But we certainly want to make six or seven. Mm-hmm. So how about we just make the conservative play, knock it down or wedge it in there. And if you make four, that's a bonus. If you make five, I think no harm, no foul. Make birdie the hard way right. or the easy way. Exactly. Yeah. And to his credit, though, he hit this beautiful seven iron that hooked 40 yards. <laughs> and it hit literally just left pin high, maybe 15 feet left of the green. Mm-hmm. A very If you were going to drop a ball left of the green, this is where you would drop it. He yeah, did not yeah. get it up and down. But, again, it was no sweat, easy par. Mm-hmm. So, so moving to the second question I have to Tiger – um, obviously, there were two holes that stick out in my mind. You may have another hole you want to talk about, but to me, it is 15 and 16. That kind of double whammy. Talk about 15. He had a club. You talk about hitting it left of the flag. 
you know, he had a good club and a good number on 15 and then the shot on 16. Yeah, I mean, if, if we got an extra minute, I'll get to that. But more importantly for me anyways, you know, kind of a little bit of a shaky start. You know, mm-hmm. hit it left on two, basically right. had a pitch out. Hits a foreign on the front part of the green. Actually, a pretty good foreign off a hanging lie mm-hmm. to the front, the kind of third of the green in the center there. No easy two-putt, and he two-putts that. Right. And then he goes on to birdie the next hole. So we kind of get it back on track, but right. then he bogeys the next two. And then he birdies seven and eight. So there's a lot of swings on that front nine. It was a very and up and down nine's nine. putt. Right. I remember that one vividly. That, that putt was insane. You know, you wouldn't, you certainly wouldn't want to do that over. I mean, they hit it there <laughs> a foot, foot and a half. And I, the funny thing is, I probably told this story before, but the funny thing is, him and JT, mm-hmm. that was the last thing they did on Wednesday before really? they packed it in that day. <sighs> Just messing around, closest to the pin right. kind of thing for 50 bucks or whatever. And they both hit actually pretty good putts. But mm-hmm. I tell people the same thing. It's pretty easy on a Wednesday when you have nothing to lose. <laughs> Right, um, but on Sunday afternoon when you think you got a two putt, you know, you're. St- I think at that time maybe back one or two shots. Um, incredible two putt. Yeah. Incredible two putt. Um, but back to 15. You know, he hits a good do- drive down on the right side. We got actually a perfect number. We got mm-hmm. like 227, 228. So it's a perfect five iron for him at mm-hmm. the time. But we have a little bit of a delay there, and right. there's not much wind. And I remember myself. That's when I first started, like, not choking, but I was thinking to myself, you know, I'd rather have, I'd rather get up there and hit the shot right away. Right, right. Now you got to think about it. Okay, now if I hit this, yeah, yeah, you sit on it. If you think this is a little heavy, it's in the water, you Mm -hmm. hit it a little thin over this. All these things are going through my mind, which are kind of negative, but I'm not sharing them. Mm -hmm. But I could almost see myself getting a little, not panicky, but a little rammy. And I remember Tiger kind of giving me the look as if to say, I've got this covered. I've been here, done this, whatever. (laughs) So he hit a beautiful five five iron down there, 25 feet right of the hole, an easy two putt. Mm -hmm. And then obviously, you know, 16, everyone knows if you hit a good shot, you know, you're going to probably end up close. And yeah. doesn't mean it's automatic. You still got to hit the shot. Mm-hmm. And for Tiger, you know, we were kind of in between seven and eight iron, but at that time, adrenaline took over mm-hmm. and we didn't even have a discussion. He just grabbed that eight iron. He knew what number it was. He knew what he had to hit. Right. And he hit a little high draw that came down there two feet left of the hole. Just busted it, pin yeah. high, yep. came right down there. I remember exactly. sitting there watching it thinking that thing was going in the hole. Right. It was beautiful. What a great shot. And 15, 16 just put him in really good position. And then he hit a great shot on 17. He had a really good look at birdie on 17. Right. Underrated. People don't remember that. And, and yes. first things first, he had a good drive there, which is, oh, isn't always his favorite driving it, hole. Yeah. yeah. And he actually hit it by Finau, which we didn't do all day. So, yeah, again, yeah. I think adrenaline was taken over. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, he hit it 10, 12 feet. But that was a new pin that year. And I think a lot of guys right. missed that putt. Um, and, but he had another – everything kind of lined. We had a great number there. We had a perfect nine mm-hmm. iron there. So all the numbers were kind of aligning. So we got fortunate coming down the stretch with that. Right. So two huge wins, Fred, Tiger. I want to talk about kind of what happens on the 18th green on both of those. I, I heard a brief story about um, in 92 of what you were going to do right after the win. Like what keepsake were you going to kind of pull? It's, it's tradition, right, The grab the flag. But yours had a little bit of a different story there. Right. You know, I thought I was, you know, getting the smartest guy in the room, maybe. <laughs> Anyways, I, you know, I'm only a few years into it at that time, catting four or five years mm-hmm. in. But the tradition is to take the flag. You screw the flag off the top of it. And I said, you know what? This is a major. This is, you know, the, the tournament. Fred's wanted to win the most. I said, maybe I'll just grab the whole flag. And <laughs> my thought was keep the old flag and stick and maybe, you know, put it in my house someday. And yeah, yeah, a, yeah. A great souvenir. And then, you know, to the, and then there's Pinkerton here, which is security here, and he, he basically said when I got done, I was walking out of the scoring tent, he says, you know, that's kind of private property. And he's right, and he's doing his job, and, but I was young and so jacked up, I said, listen, if you can get it from me, you can have it. But I'm keeping it, and then I did the same thing in 19 with, with Tiger. But the most special part for me, 
you know, forget, it's obviously not about me, but that was a great keepsake for me. But the fact that, you know, both the Tigers' kids were there behind 18 green yeah. was incredible. Having two kids and knowing how much that meant to him, mm-hmm. how much satisfaction that gave him to have the two kids there watching play the last round to be right. there behind the green was incredible. And also, I remember what he said right when the putt happened and he right. said to you, he said, we did it. You right. know, that's such a cool thing. And I remember watching at home, I had – goosebumps all over just right. on that but I remember him saying that and how important that seemed for him to do and um what did that mean to you for him to kind of yell that out loud and everybody to see that you know is it incredible mm-hmm. I mean there's no other way to explain it I mean I didn't think that was going to happen but for him to say that and the funny thing is he means every every bit of that because mm-hmm. that's the kind of person he is he feels like we're a team together um you know I think we're both obviously thankful for each other I'm very fortunate um, but for him to say that, you know, the first thing to come out of his mouth is incredible. Most people just maybe give you a hug and move on, but that's the kind of person that he is. Right. That's awesome. So you guys just finished uh, playing a little bit. It's Monday of Masters Week. How's Tiger's game looking right now? How would you describe it? You know, it's, I, w- I went down to Florida before I got here. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first got down there, it was okay. Mm-hmm. I've seen improvement every day. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, when you're home, you know, back in the day, nobody practiced like Tiger. Complete right. grinder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now with his injuries, he can't quite do as much. And I think now once he gets you – know, once that plane lands in Augusta, there's something about it. Right. With all the guys, not just Tiger. Even yeah, Fred, yeah. you can talk about everybody. Uh, something sort of just clicks. And we had a great day out there yesterday, just, just the three of us and Rob, uh, chipping and putting on the front nine. So I've seen progress every day. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic and excited about the week. I also know it's going to be a tough walk for him. Sure. And there's obviously a lot of guys that are playing well every week. They're younger. They're great players. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be easy, but at the same time, he, he loves this place, and mm-hmm. I expect you know big things from him. I got to ask, what do you think his goals are for this week? What's he looking to do? You know, he doesn't really I – mean, I mean, I'm sure in the back of his mind he doesn't really share them with me. I think mm-hmm. first things first, you know, get through the practice rounds. Mm-hmm. Get your game a little bit sharper. Right. Um, you know, people say it would be great if he could make the cut. Um, is that a goal? Probably not. I, you know, I mean, he's got that mentality where he thinks he can still win, and I, and I believe he can. Now, obviously, a lot of things are going to have to go mm-hmm. right to beat these, like I said, these kids that play every mm-hmm. day and practice every day. Doesn't mean he can't do it, he can't put anything past the guy. Uh, but I think at this point, if his, if his stage of his life, you know, one, you know, kind of cliches, but one day at a time, kind of one mm-hmm. shot at a time, just try to get through each day injury-free, so to speak, and then get ready for the next day and recover. Yeah, well, it feels like, you know, one, he has a huge up. He feels like he – I feel like he knows this golf course so well. He can find his way around anyway. So, you know, kind of anything could happen. And, obviously, he's played very well here. So, we're looking forward to him playing and seeing you guys out there. One last question I want to give you. Um, there's this great Fred Couples seven-iron story that I've heard from Fred's perspective. I would love to hear it from yours. <laughs> uh, well, that's a, that's, a great, uh, that's a great story, actually. And, listen, I don't want to beat him up. We had 20 years together. But for some reason, whenever he went up to the Westchester Classic, you know, he just wasn't in, you know, he wasn't in his best spot, let's just say. And so that year for, you know, I'm going to say 55 of the 72 holes, he wasn't throwing clubs at me, but he was throwing (laughs) clubs in the general direction of the bag. And like I said, I think he was just having a tough week with personal stuff. Um, so, I, you know, that is a caddy. You just you deal with that and you take it all and this, that, right, and the other right. thing. But when he winged one pretty good at me <laughs> on uh, 18, left of Westchester, it's funny because the first hole is right there next to 18, and there's no spectators over there. So mm-hmm. I, I finally said to myself, you know what, I've had enough. Right. So when he winged the seven iron at me, I went down like I was pretending like I was tying my shoes. And back then, it was the week before the U.S. Open, yeah, so yeah. the rough was a foot high. So I just kind of patted everything down, left the seven iron there. 
And I said, screw it, I'm done with you know, not, I'm not done with him, but I'm just done with this whole deal right now, him throwing clubs at me every hole, I've had enough. So I left it there, and then we get out the next week, he says, where's the seven iron? And I just played dumb like I didn't know where it was. And then finally I, you know, finally I said, you know what, I think I might have left it back at Westchester. And he looked at me as if, as like, are you effing nuts? I said, no. I said, I think you're crazy for what you, how you acted last week. So I think it was a good lesson for both of us. I've right. never done it since, and he actually got a little better behavior-wise. Well, I loved. I heard the story from Fred's perspective right. a couple weeks ago, and it was very cool how he talked about it. And he he kind of said, "Oh, a little lesson learned for me." Right, so, right. good old Joe. Well, thank you so much for stopping in. You have a big week. We appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us, giving a little insight on Tiger's game and kind of some past historical things between you, you, Fred, and Tiger. So it's very good to catch up with you. And thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, thanks everybody for sticking around and listening to. Joe and I discussed some of the things about the Masters. It's definitely a topic we all know and love. Um, Joe had some great insight on where everybody's game is right now. (laughs) Absolutely amazing insight on past championship wins. Talking about Fred on 12, the the hook that Fred has to hit on 15. We kind of get so caught up in Fred hitting these little block baby cuts that he looks, you know, so smooth doing. But um, he talked about Fred hitting a... 60-yard draw into that pin, and we know what happens if you hit it a little long on 15. That ball can scurry down the back of the hill and, you know, be gone in the water. So it was a a tricky shot that he pulled off as a player, and it's good hearing the inside of of Joe and the caddy and and kind of the back and forth these guys have, and the importance of him is to put up a different side of the story that could be maybe a little bit better overall for the player – but then he has to instill confidence in what the player totally decides. He may be against that call of hitting that 60-yard draw, but he ultimately has to be on the side of the player, instill some confidence they can hit that shot, and rely on them to hit it to pull it off. So, yes, it may be a more risky shot, and Joe may want them to play a little bit more conservative, but if the player feels that shot and knows that they can pull it off, Joe has to switch gears and provide confidence and positivity towards the shot they're about to hit. So great hearing the 19 talk again. You know, we could talk about that one all day. He said that on the side, like, you know, I really don't get tired of talking about that 19 win. It's so special. It was good hearing him talk about, you know, that approach to 15. And then I always like to ask him about 16 shots just because, I mean, there wasn't a lot into it. Obviously, there was a number. Tiger knows what he's going to hit. But it's just a cool shot in general because of how clutch it was. He went from basically being tied for the lead to like boom, boom, back-to-back birdies, 15-16, two-shot lead. And like we discussed on 17, too, they had a really good chance to birdie 17. That one kind of gets lost sometime. He actually absolutely powdered a baby cut drive on 17 right down the pipe and hit a really good approach shot. I think Joe said nine iron right to the middle of the green, about 18 feet right. And, you know, he just slid that one by the hole. So had a really good chance to go birdie, birdie, birdie. But he put himself in a really good spot with a two-stroke lead to go to 18, make an easy bogey, and come away with his green jacket, which was absolutely amazing. And then hearing Tiger said, we did it, that's always one that stuck out with Joe. And it's really cool that, you know, Tiger said that on the last hole. And, you know, that's the way he treats Joe. And it's really cool hearing their stories. But anyway, guys, thanks for joining us for this emergency podcast down here at Augusta. So until next time on another golf podcast presented by Bridgestone. Eh, It doesn't feel as good when I say it. (laughs) Amelia does it better. See you guys next time.
Another Golf Podcast is presented by Bridgestone's new line of Tour B golf balls with a Reactive IQ cover. Reactive IQ is a smart cover technology that reacts to the force of impact. It rebounds quickly on tee shots, delivering explosive velocity and increased distance. And around the green, the Reactive IQ cover stays on the face longer, providing more spin and control. Bridgestone Golf is the pioneer and industry leader in ball fitting and the four new models of Tour B are designed to ensure every golfer is playing the right ball for their game. The Tour BX and XS models are ideal for players with driver swing speeds over 105 miles per hour, and the RX and RXS were created for golfers with driver swing speeds under 105 miles per hour. To find the right ball for your game, go to BridgestoneGolf.com and click Find My Ball to go through the online ball selector guide. Bridgestone Golf the number one ball fitter in golf.